your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught, one, yeah, first down, hits on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Juan Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are. You picked a great night to be a part of this one tonight. We're going to start our Nebraska football radio shows. Hour number two, the head coach is going to be here for an hour. Scott Frost will break down what's been going on in the camp, how this football team looks two and a half weeks out from their opener against Ohio State. Normally, we don't start these until the week leading up to the game, but this has certainly been an odd year. We're not going to get 12 games in, so we're going to start early. Added bonus, right? Ben McLaughlin, get get some coaches on a couple weeks before this season starts. Yeah, why not? I mean, I, I think any time the head coach speaks, it has people's attention, especially considering we've had some practices. We've had some padded practices. Uh, lots of reasons to be excited to hear the head coach tonight. So he'll be here. Hour number two, get your comments, questions ready. Whether you want to call us or fire us off a text, you can do that as well, 531-500-4686 if you want to be a part of the program at any time, and certainly you're in during hour two with the head football coach here. Josh had a little clip from the head baseball coach. Will Bolt met with the media today via Zoom to talk about the progress of the Huskers. They are a little bit past the halfway point of the fall ball. I think it wraps up in two weeks and encouraged by the pitching and as a lot of baseball people will tell you ben it always starts on the mound and if you're pretty good there you should be in about every game and it sounds like from that phase of it it's been pretty positive yeah and i think you and i got a sneak peek at some of the tools that this the staff had to work with um i think the the biggest change is going to be um with with the staff just as the bodies start to roll in with, with what this uh, these new coaches are recruiting to, uh, the word stuff is going to be thrown around a lot. And I think that overall as a staff, Nebraska is going to have a lot deeper uh, options and, and, and the stuff isn't going to apply to just one or two guys. I mean, I think there's going to be, you know, multiple uh, players and multiple pitchers out there that, that have good enough stuff to get about anybody out and, and that that can bail you out in college um you know when you when your stuff is good you've got good movement and you can control more than one pitch you know you can make some mistakes and get away with it when your stuff isn't as good and you're living in the you know mid to upper 80s and you don't really have command of a second pitch mistakes find barrels and so i think that this this staff has done a good job of identifying pitchers that um, not only throw the ball hard, but have good movement and have good control of their stuff. So that 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 to me is what it, what's exciting, and you know we got a, a sneak peek into that a couple of weeks ago. So uh, we'll uh, have a clip or two throughout our tickers over the next couple of hours about what the head coach said. He wasn't overly specific. He talked about breaking the team up each week a different way, working some guys at some different positions, trying to get competitive with them about whichever team prevails during a week. Certain bonuses go their way. I don't know what that means. They don't have to run laps or what that may mean. Uh, but just trying to do a lot of those different things. It was just really fun to hear from him um, earlier today 
as he gets the Huskers into fall ball, well into fall ball. Now, well, here's what we have coming up on the program tonight. Ben yesterday caught up with Ty Robinson, the redshirt freshman defensive lineman from Arizona. We're going to hear that conversation coming up in a little bit. We'll also go check out what's going on in the major leagues with our insider Lane Grindle later this hour. Josh gave you the final from earlier today with – the Braves beating the Marlins 2 to nothing, so they take a 2-0 series. They're in the bottom of the ninth with the A's trying to stay alive, up 9-7 on the Astros. The, the Strohs lead that series two games to none. At the top are just getting underway, the Rays and the Yankees. That series even at a game apiece later tonight, the Padres and the Dodgers. L.A. won last night 5 to one. Atlanta looks good. Their bullpen has been phenomenal. It was their third shutout already in the playoffs. They have pitched it so well and may be about ready to end the Cinderella run of the Marlins, who have been really the surprise of the league going back to July when this thing all began. Then they got hit with COVID, had to miss a, a bunch of games, but still fought their way into the playoffs and then won a wild card round to get to this to this round. But the Braves, Ben, appear to be in control of that series. Yeah, they do. Um, Atlanta's just hitting the crap out of the ball right now, and there's really no two ways about it. Their offense has been really good for a lot of the year. Um, we know about the game uh, against the Marlins that they scored like 30 runs. You know, it's just they're really um, they're really swinging it right now. There's a lot of confidence. They're they're healthy. Acuna's healthy, and they're finding a way to make it work um, with with their rotation or lack thereof. Uh, so yeah, it's, I, I kind of thought the Marlins had, had decent enough arms to maybe hold them at bay. You saw Alcantara pitch. Okay. Got a little wobbly later in his start. And then Pablo Lopez today, uh, for Miami, it's, you know, they're running into a bit of a buzzsaw and I don't know that it's all that surprising. And yeah, they're in the bottom of the ninth again with the, the Astros and the A's. The A's trying to stay alive and force a game four in that DS series. So we'll keep track of the baseball the reports out of the nfl another tough day ben for the nfl with covid as Stephen gilmore the outstanding defensive back of the patriots test positive this after cam newton tested positive on saturday which meant a delay to the new england kansas city game from sunday to monday night now you have gilmore a second prominent patriot player that has tested positive the tennessee titans who had an issue last week that cost uh, them the ability to play Pittsburgh over the weekend. More positives today for the Titans. Um, it's been looking good, particularly for the Tennessee Titans, who have already had to move one game. If they can't get this piece together by Sunday to play this week, then it becomes an issue for the NFL. I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. We've seen it becoming an issue in college football week in and week out. But this is some tough news that came out today. For both the Patriots and the Titans, probably more so for the Titans because they did already lose a week of play where the Patriots were able to manage to get their game in. But, man, it's, it's, this thing just is nasty. It won't, won't get away from, from the sports world. Well, and it sounds like Tennessee's under the microscope with the league right now because of all the protocols that the league has in place. Um, you know, they're, they're using deductive reasoning as to – okay, well, why is this happening? You know, the, these protocols are proven to work. They were, they're working everybody else. Why is it not working for you? And, and I think that's, that's where, you know, you kind of bleed into, uh, you know, the Titans camp. And there's a lot of chatter about, um, 
you know, how it was reported, when it was reported, who it was reported to from the Titans camp to the league. The timeliness is very important. You know, if, if they hid behind this and, and weren't totally truthful as, a, as an organization of who had it and when they had it, when it was reported and, you know, all that stuff, you know, the, the, there's rumors going around that the NFL could absolutely hammer Tennessee with punishments, you know, just like historic punishments. And, and this is, you know, we were talking a little bit about the Marlins and the Cardinals. This might be the precedent. You know, this might be the precedent for the NFL, for the other teams to go, okay, you know, we, we saw what happened in Tennessee. We're not going to be the ones that are, you know, the, that are next in line. And I, I, th- I think it could be, you know, it, you know as serious as, as forfeiting these games. I really do. I, I don't think it's going to be something that, that the league's just going to say, okay, well, we're going to do what we can to make it work for Tennessee if that they find wrongdoing. Now, if they don't, then I don't think you can penalize them. But, um, yeah, this is concerning, especially – Considering last week we had our first game postponed, and you know that that game was uh, luckily easily um, you know rescheduled because they were able to just move one game around. But once you start hopscotching and start crossing divisions and crossing leagues, it's going to be impossible to reschedule these games. So it's concerning to me. I'm glad that the Chiefs were able to avoid any tests. Um, you know, after playing the Patriots, any more positive tests, especially with Stephon Gilmore testing positive and him playing in that game. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. If you've got fantasy players for these teams, specifically of Tennessee, you might start to look elsewhere because I, I don't know that this is going anywhere anytime soon. The fact that they had a couple of days of, of negative tests was a positive, but um, having a positive test today is a negative. And I think it kind of sets this clock back all the way over again. So Tennessee's game this week is seriously in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they play. And, and going forward, you know, if they, if they continue to report positive tests, these things aren't going to be good. Chiefs fans are nervous, too, because Patrick Mahomes has admitted that he embraced Gilmore after their game the other night. So he's monitoring himself. But the Chiefs did do a round of testing after their game, and, and it was all negative for Kansas City. So... It appears like these transmissions are not happening during competition, that they're happening within locker rooms or team functions is where this seems to be happening. That's the good news. It doesn't seem like when somebody you line up across the field from somebody that it is spreading to each other. That, I guess, is the good news in this thing. But you're right. If they find the Titans were doing some off-site workouts when their facility was closed down last week, uh, they could come down really hard on the league. Yesterday, Ben, they made a couple of defensive players available to the media, and you were able to get some time with Ty Robinson, the big fellow from Arizona. Yeah, one of the most intriguing prospects on that defensive line this year. I don't know that there's any question about that. Um, you know, just with uh, his talent, you know, his pedigree of, of recruiting, who Nebraska beat out, I think makes him interesting. And, of course, uh, the viral video that went around this offseason of the gains that, that Ty made in the weight room and – that's where we started our conversation. I said, Ty, I know you, you probably are a little familiar with what Husker Nation's all about, especially on social media being a, a high-profile recruit, but did you learn anything else about just how feverish this fan base can be when, when something like that you're involved in and it goes viral around Husker Nation? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of already knew through my recruiting, so I kind of knew what I was getting myself into, but I didn't expect anything like that to happen. So it was really great to see the fans react to that video that Coach Duvall posted. 
Well, let's let's talk about it, man. Not just about the video, but the work that that you've put in and the focus that you had on your body this offseason. Really, the one thing that you could control in these times was was it what you were doing, what you were eating, and how much you were working out. What was kind of your focus this offseason after for your first year in college? What you wanted to do to your body? Uh, yeah, I just knew that it, that some things needed to change. Uh, I came in a little pudgy, a little little overweight, so I knew that uh, with the right food and the right uh, workout I would get there and so in this off season um I mean there were the rumors around that we were getting ready for a season or if we, if we weren't going to have a season but I just knew that I needed to prepare to have a season and so I wanted to get ready so I could be able to to play and produce for this team I know last year was kind of the first experiment we had with this four-game redshirt rule, and how the coaches wanted to be really careful with you and use your eligibility to, to the best of their knowledge and get the most out of you they possibly could. What was that like, Ty, navigating the, the waters of last year with the rules and, and how much that they were going to play you when you were ready and, and what they were going to, hoping to get out of you in your first year? Uh, yeah, I mean uh... – Coach Toyote said, be ready every game. So, uh, you know, I was. I prepared each week like I was going to play or maybe get a, get a few snaps in. Um, but, I mean, going out there, it was just crazy. Uh, I mean, it was just surreal to uh, be on the field playing football in front of all the fans at Memorial Stadium. So um, it's definitely a lifetime, like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and it's just it's crazy. One of the uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the one of the games that you got the most snaps in was against Wisconsin. At least that was the the game that I noticed you out there the most. What was it like in that game going up against a group that prides themselves on O line, prides themselves on running the football, having a a high draft pick in Jonathan Taylor, and, and knowing that you know you, this is your some of your first action in college, and the coaches trust you to be out there. Yeah, I mean, um, I got out there and I, I knew I had to stay calm, but uh, I mean, I was trying to do the best I could to get the play call, get down, and then in my mind, I was just thinking they're just another offensive lineman. I can't psych myself out mm-hmm. to be to be thinking that they're better than me. And then Jonathan Taylor, great running back. I mean, I tried to tackle him and he just ran right over me. So I definitely got my uh, first experience with one of the, be- the number one running back in the nation. So. Ty, what'd you learn, man? I mean, I know that it's you can't really process this question while you're living the season. You're focused on getting better every day, but you know, maybe the month following the year, the season was over, and you had some time to kind of digest. What was the the biggest thing you took away from your first year that that you, you've used this off season, and you're going to continue to use the rest of your career? Uh, yeah, I, I I learned that you needed to more technique than just brute strength. Um, I also knew that I needed a better football IQ. So uh, from now, um, from all the stuff going on, every day I meet with Ben Stilley and we watch film and a couple other guys just to uh, and get better uh, football IQ. So when I do go out there, I can I can read the offense a lot better and be a lot faster with my decisions. Ty, I love asking um players this question after their first year but uh every to a man doesn't matter the position there's always a moment when you realize I'm not in high school anymore when you when you get to to college sometimes it's the first practice sometimes it's the first week sometimes it's before the practice the first workout when was that moment for you that you kind of look around go man okay this is this isn't what I'm used to and this is going to be a whole different ball game now that I'm in college uh, yeah, when I uh, it was actually last year uh, when we were doing uh, a, a drill called pods, one on one with the offensive lineman, just run blocking, and I went against up um, the veteran uh, Matt Farniak and I think Jaime also, and I realized that 
my I would needed more than just my talent. So um, from there on, I knew I needed to put in the extra work, and that's I think when I realized. Also, the workouts too. The workouts too here are just crazy, insane. But uh, but uh, yeah. So I think that's when I finally realized it's time to play some big boy ball. You you came in at a, at a really good time. It's great to be able to come to a place and play immediately. Uh, but it, you know, in hindsight, you, you got to play when you're ready. You came into a really good situation last year with Darian Daniels, a fifth year senior, a couple of NFL defensive tackles and the Davis brothers. What did you learn from those guys who had been through everything there is to go through in a college career that, that you're kind of carrying with you right now? Uh, yeah, so Darian actually kind of took me under his wing along with Damian. So he helped me understand and learn the game faster at the nose nose tackle position. Uh, just ways that you can cheat your alignment or make better decisions or reading even the offense. Um, so he definitely gave me like a, a step up to the competition, I think, and kind of gave me an advantage um, for my first year. Uh, with taking me under his wing and teaching me all the stuff that he he knew from playing. Ty Robinson, Husker defensive lineman with us here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Okay, Ty, give us an idea of what the room's like this year. You had some pretty big personalities. We all know how, how Darian acted on the on the football field. It's fun watching him, but his brother Damian's there. You, you've got a couple newcomers. Jordan Riley's there. W- what's this r- group like? Give us a sense of the, some of the personalities now in this room. Yeah, uh, Damien's just like Darian. Uh, it's always fun to play with him. Um, I mean, Ben and uh, DeAndre, they're they're more of the serious guys. Um, but then Jordan Riley, when when he gets going, he gets pumped up. He he lets everybody know uh, what's going to happen and what he's going to do. Um, and then I I guess just everybody else, everybody's just picking picking each other up cheering each other on because we all just want to see each other succeed and because we all want to win some football games. So uh, I really feel like the chemistry in that room is it's really tight and it's really good. Yeah, what, what's 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 been Coach Tuioti's message to you guys? I mean, we already talked about the three departures. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities for snaps, and I'm sure there's a lot of competition internally in practice for, for you guys competing for those spots and competing for snaps. But it's, I'm sure it's healthy competition. But how are you guys making each other better, knowing you know what what opportunities in front of every one of you? Yeah, uh, I mean, just kind of like one of our models, just play for the man to your left and your right for your brother and. Uh, when we go through film and we see somebody's kind of slacking, we we uh, hold each other to a higher standard and, and hold them accountable for their actions. So um, there's definitely a lot of tough love in it, but uh, everybody, like I, like I said, everybody just wants to see everybody succeed and do great this year because we want to win some football games. Ty, going back to your commitment, um, people around here were so pumped when you decided that you were going to be a Husker and um, you know, really before you had you had an idea of what you were getting into, people were really excited that, that you chose Nebraska. Now that you've had a year in the program, over a year with Coach Frost and, and what the people of Nebraska are like, what, what do you think? What do you think of this place? What do you think of your decision and, um, you know, spending a you know, par- good part of your life here? Yeah, um, I, I do know that I have no regret signing here. Uh, I know this was the best option, and after staying here for a year, I can definitely say with 100% confidence that I am happy here. Um, and just the opportunities that I've been given to me and the people that I've met and the connections I've made, uh, it's been truly great and tremendous. So, um, yeah, just it's uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. 
That being said, you're you, everybody in the country dealing with a tough time with you know everything that we've been gone through the last six months. How, who did you kind of lean on? You know, with your with your relationship, still being a, a younger player that you know you bonded with, you, you were able to communicate with that kind of helped you through you're able to vent to when you're having bad days I mean is there is is there any you know maybe it's your position group maybe it's your coach who who have you kind of leaned on you know in these tough times and these uncertain times the last few months uh yeah so there's actually been a couple guys so my roommate my both my roommates Noah Gates and Michael Lynn um we're living together so they've been I mean we're all best friends basically so Whenever we need something or talk or need to talk about something, we're all open ears. And then um, another great person I think that I've grown really close to is also Ben Stilley. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's taken me under his wing, like I said earlier. And I mean, the sky's the limit now for for him and me. I feel like in this next year and maybe in the coming years. So um, those are just a few guys. There's a lot more other guys. I mean, sure. I don't really have any have any trouble with anyone. Ty, before we cut you loose, boy, man, start starting out with a bang. Ohio State, Wisconsin, right out of the shoot. How pumped are you for the opportunity to go up, go up to Columbus and take on a team trying to compete for a national championship right out of the gate? You know, I'm excited, but uh, I also understand what that means. So uh, I'm just going to prepare like it's for any other game mm-hmm. uh, as, as with my teammates, and we're just going to do to the best of our ability. And I think it's going to be a great football game. Can't wait for it, man. Glad it's here. Glad you got the pads on. Glad you can get out and hit somebody. Ty Robinson, Husker defensive lineman with us here on Sports Nightly. Ty, appreciate it, man. Great to hear from you. Great to hear you're doing well. Your body's in good shape. Have a great rest of camp, man. Can't wait to see you at the horseshoe. Thank you. His voice will sound familiar. And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Joining us tonight from his home in Milwaukee, and I'm sure absorbing all these playoffs, what have you, uh, what have you, been, what have you been hot takes for the last week of baseball in the bigs? Home runs. That's been yeah. a big part. Part of the storyline in the post so far, the teams that are hitting the most home runs are winning. And there's been, I think, fi- almost 55% of the runs that have been scored have been scored via the long ball. That's not a shock. I mean, that's just the trend that's been taking place in this game for a handful of years now. And so I'm not totally surprised by that, but certainly it's been on display. I don't know that I love that. Um, and I know some people get upset about that. I don't think that home runs are a negative thing, I think they're great. But I do enjoy the other ways that you can manufacture runs in this game. And the less and less we see of that, I feel like we're missing out on a fun part of the game there, too. The A's staved off elimination today by beating the Astros. Are you surprised the Astros are having the the success they are? Not totally. I I think a 60-game season is a short sample size in the first place. And so you just have to get to the dance. And it was a little easier to get to the dance this year than maybe in other years. And for a team like the Astros, and yes, they don't have Verlander. Yes, they no longer have Garrett Cole. But they still have a really good lineup. And that second life for a team like the Astros, I felt like was really dangerous for the other teams in the American League. So I'm not totally surprised that they're still, and they still are, even though they lost today. Uh, Liam Hendricks had to throw three innings for the A's to 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 hold them off and win that game. Uh, The Astros are absolutely still in the driver's seat in that divisional series. And so they would make their fourth straight ALCS if they end up winning Mm. this one. I'm not surprised by it. And uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting 
uh, American League Championship Series, whether it's the Rays or it's the Yankees that, that end up facing what I think will be the Astros. Let's go to the National League. The Braves are, are up 2-0 now on the Marlins, who've just been a marvelous story, but it looks like it's about to come to an end. The Braves starting pitching isn't a lot to get excited about, but, man, their bullpen has been nails so far. What do you make of the Braves in the playoffs? Well, their 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 bullpen's been really good. They have some great bats. When Marcelo Zuna gets hot, he is as good a hitter as there is in baseball. Now, he's a streaky hitter, so he'll go through some some stretches where he's not as good. But when he gets going, he is as good as there is in the game. And Acuna has obviously gotten off to a good start in this series, and I love him. Uh, I think he's a generational talent. We keep talking about Juan Soto, as rightfully we should be. Fernando Tatis, as rightfully we should be. I mean, these are guys that I think are, are all guys that if they continue on their trajectory, they're Hall of Famers someday. And it's really early to say that about these guys, but they're that kind of talent. You know, whether or not they they hit the ceiling at that or they or they fulfill all of their potential over the course of their careers, that remains to be seen. But these are these are those kind of players. And so uh, I love this Braves team. I actually like – I mean, Ian Anderson's been – unbelievable for the Braves yeah. so far. It's a great story. So I, I like the Braves starting pitching maybe a little bit more than, than some um, will hold up over the course of the entire postseason. We'll, we'll see. But I, I like it. The Marlins are a great story. Uh, there's a lot of former Brewers on, on that team. So I found myself for that group. But they're outmatched. And I think we all knew that eventually that was going to happen. And I think we're seeing it now. Yep. Lane Grindle's with us, our Major League Baseball insiders. Tampa has taken a one nothing lead on the Yankees. Bottom of the second, that's game three of that series. The Dodgers, Lane, had the best 60-game run. Uh, I think they might be the betting favorite to win this thing. Your, your thoughts about the way L.A. has looked, and you got a, a close-up look because the Brewers played them a couple of games last week. What do you make of the way the Dodgers are set up to, to get into October here? I don't think they have very many faults. I think they're a really complete baseball team. Adding Mookie Betts was almost unfair <laughs> for this team. Um, they have really good talent, one through nine, and a really good bench, and they have the ability to platoon at some spots if they want to. They have a handful of bats that underachieved in the regular season, and yet they still beat everybody. And I think those bats have a chance to get going now that they're in the postseason. They have really good starting pitching. Uh, Kershaw looks like his old self. He looks about eight years younger right now when he's on the mound. He carved up the Brewers in the wild card uh, round. Obviously, Walker Bueller, if he can get that blister situation under control, he's an elite arm. And Dustin May might be the best of all of them. And that's crazy. I mean, I'm not saying he's the best career-wise of all of them, but just in terms of who do you not want to face right now, Dustin May might be that guy. So they're really good. I think about the only chance for them to really have any major issues is if Kenley Jansen just kind of crumbles at the end of a game or two. But um, I, I don't I don't see it happening. I, I think the Dodgers and Padres, as fun as that series has the potential to be, because the Padres are a really fun team, I don't think it's quite yet the Padres' time. And I think the Dodgers end up going to the World Series, and it's going to be a handful for whoever comes out of the American League. Padres are going to throw a guy you're familiar with tonight. Zach Davies is going to get the ball for them. What? What? Uh, give us a scout on on the Padres starter for tonight's game. It starts a little after eight. Oops, Zach Davies is going to go. Uh, oh. Zach's a Zach's a great guy. Um, I'm really happy for Zach that he's had the success he's had 
in San Diego this year. Uh, I got a chance to know him really well when he was with the Brewers, and he's a command guy. He's not going to overwhelm me with velocity. He's going to throw anywhere from 89 to maybe 91 at tops. He's going to throw a little baby cutter at times, but he's got a great changeup, and he throws it about as much as anybody in the game throws their changeup. And he's a competitor. And so I'm happy for Zach. He didn't have a great start in the wild card round against the Cardinals. I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get out there and uh, really do a nice number against the Dodgers. And he has pitched really well against Los Angeles over the course of his career. So we'll see if that trend continues. All right, this is the first time since baseball came back that they've gone to the bubble for this round of the playoffs. Have you heard any complaints from anybody as they've moved to L.A. and San Diego and Arlington and Houston? No, I don't. I haven't heard any. I think that the, the, the way they bubbled the teams in the regular season at the end. So these guys were kind of stuck in hotels towards the end of the year anyway. And it was a different situation where they didn't have the whole hotel. So they couldn't really get out and move around. Uh, so they basically had to be in their room. They could go down and get like a box for breakfast and bring it back up. But they, they couldn't really leave the room very much at all once they got into the bubble at the end of the regular season and through the wild card round. Now that they are in a situation where they're in the, in the NLDS, ALDS, they have the entire hotel to themselves, essentially. The MLB, I think, as I understand it, they've rented out the entire hotels so they can move around the hotel a little bit more they have a little bit more freedom so i think there'd be less complaining now than there was earlier and remember the families had the opportunity to quarantine um and join the teams in the bubble in these rounds also so um or i'm I'm sorry i don't think they're i don't think the families are able to join until the alcs but or the nlcs but um, they have the chance to quarantine and, and, and be there eventually, too. So I, I I haven't heard a lot of complaining. These guys are kind of used to it now. This is the way they had to live their lives over the course of the season. And now it's about competing and getting out there and trying to win a championship for all of them. Yeah, and the end is near. I mean, they can see the light at the end of the tunnel where they're going to make their way through this here in about three weeks. All right, we appreciate it. Uh, uh, you just laying low? Are you getting some fishing in or is it too late to fish? No, it's uh, we're getting some fishing in. We have not done much since the season ended, but we're having great weather this week, and the plan is to get out tomorrow, probably a good chunk Friday, and do uh, some serious fishing, and then there's some plans in the works for next weekend too. So uh, cold weather's coming, but it's not here yet, so we're going to try to squeeze in as much fishing as we can before it all hits. Good. Have fun. Appreciate it. Thank you. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Adrian gets the snap, puts it to belly of Wandale around the left side. He's got a first down, 35-30, Wandale 25-20, 15-10-5. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. Lejean in a quarterback from Maryland, looking at third and nine out with the 30-yard line. Lejean gets the snap, gets hit, dropped. Oh, what a sack. Big time hit by JoJo Doman back at the 21-yard line. Doman's second sack of the year. With the head coach, Scott Frost. Two wideouts to the left. Mills in the backfield with Martinez. Adrian gets the snap, gives it off to Mills. Mills picked away. He's to the 40, 45, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. Tight rope to the sideline, steps out of bounds inside the 30-yard line. Dedrick Mills has been a man today here in Lincoln. Proudly brought to you by Channel. Channel Seedsman place products to perform across Nebraska. Get expert advice that yields results at channel.com.
Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our first show of the 2020 season. A couple of weeks out from the Huskers opening the season at the Horseshoe against the Ohio State Buckeyes. If you want to be a part of the program, 531-500-4686. You can fire us off a phone call or a text on our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Well, Coach, let's just uh, – How's, how's practice been in the last week with the pads on for the guys? Uh, it's been productive. Uh, our guys were anxious to get pads on and start hitting, and uh, we're kind of rounding the corner to where they're getting tired of hitting each other and anxious to, to play some ball. But it's just been awesome being out on the field again. Uh, it's been great to see the type of team we have now and the uh, type of camaraderie we have on the team and, I think our whole group has grown tighter through this through this whole season and all the troubles we've gone through. Physically, do you feel like you're a different football team than the one that uh, wore pads against Iowa on Black Friday last year? Do you, can you notice a difference? Yeah, I don't know if it's a different football team. Uh, said all along, we've had a long way to go, and we think we've been getting better and better, and uh, we're definitely – a few steps ahead of, of where I think we've been from a talent perspective and a depth perspective and, and certainly from an attitude perspective. So uh, we're, we're not going to get all the way there in one year or six months, uh, but we're definitely moving it down the road. How's, how's the adjustment with a, a new offensive coordinator, Matt Lubick, a guy that you've known for quite a while. How's that transition been? And, and, and has it been fun to be back out on a practice field with Matt? Yeah, on top of being a, a colleague and a good coach, he's a, he's a good guy and a good friend. And uh, it's real easy since we worked beha- together before to, to fall right in. He, I tell you what, he's done a really good job already getting us more organized and um, making sure that we're dialing into the right things. And, uh, you know, I, as as the head coach, I have a lot of other things on my plate, and it's great to be able to hand a lot of things off to him. What and that room needed some work. You, you needed an influx of talent at the wide receiver spot. Do you think you've taken a step forward with the, with that room? And can we see more? Do you think you'll see more production out of that group this fall? Well, we need more production there in the run game and the pass game. Uh, I think we have the right guys now. Uh, a lot of the guys that have been here have taken pretty big leaps forward, I think. And then uh, we have a lot of young talent and new talent. Uh, and it's going to be a, a matter of getting those guys up to speed. Um, you know, there, there's still some work to be done there, and you always want a veteran team with experience, and we're still going to be uh, pretty young at that position from an experience standpoint, but the, the talent's definitely uh, a lot better than it has been. How's, how's the play of your quarterbacks been uh, in the week into this, this fall camp? Yeah, I've been really happy with that. Um, you know, we've gotten – really good quarterback play at times and some other times where I, I thought we could have made better plays. But, you know, like I said before, I think a lot of that is dependent upon the people around the quarterback and us putting them in the right position. And um, well, Adrian and Luke have both had really good summer and fall and uh, looking forward to watching those guys play. You, you touched on the running back position when you met with the media on Friday. Take us through that group a little bit. Diedrich Mills, we had a highlight of him in the open to the show 
uh, certainly became a, a quality Big Ten back as last season moved along. But what about the depth in that room? It got skinny at times last year in that room. What about that room as you get ready to launch into this year? Yeah, I think the depth has improved and the talent has improved. Um, we're kind of at a point now where we gotta we got to decide who the number two back is and who the number three back is. Uh, and move forward with those guys. And, and that doesn't mean others won't play, but we need to start concentrating the reps on a couple guys. We're, we're young at that position, too, other than Diedrich. Um, you know, we got Savion Morrison and Marvin Scott that are both freshmen. Uh, a bunch of Nebraska kids and, and uh, walk-on kids that are doing a really good job. Uh, obviously, Ramirez Johnson uh, is is doing really good things and has improved. So uh, I, I feel good about the depth there. We're still a little novice at that position too, but we're kind of at a point where we're going to have to pick our horse and, and get somebody some more reps and hopefully uh, spell Jedrick with the right guy. To kind of round out the offense a little bit, Matt Lubick on Thursday told the media that he felt like the strength of the offense could be that offensive line. Would would you agree with that? And how has that group looked as you get into the, the pad portion of practice? Yeah, ever since we've been able to put pads on, we've had a really, really physical practices. And we kind of felt like we had to. We're trying to fit basically four weeks of, of padded practices and spring balls padded practices into about three weeks. So we didn't, we didn't really have time to mess around and break the guys in. Um, because of that, we've been putting them in a lot of real physical drills and physical situations, and I uh, feel good about that group. Uh, we definitely have more depth there, and, um, you know, it, I think we're going to get some good play, and I've seen it, it's some improvement in some really key areas from that group, so I have high hopes for them. Yeah. Scott Frost with us. It's our first Husker football show of the fall. The 2020 season set to start on the 24th of October as Nebraska goes to Ohio State. A couple of comments on the defense before we take our first break. New coach on that side of the ball, but he's really not new to you, and that's Mike Dawson coming back, now working with your outside linebackers. Has it been fairly seamless getting Coach Dawson back in, into the mix? Yeah, as far as relationships with Dawson, um, you know, that's that's just natural. Uh, we needed to get better at that position. Our outside linebacker group, uh, I think, underperformed last year. Um, if nothing else, he's, he's going to get the guys playing hard and using the right technique and being in the right spot. And there was a lot of times where uh, mistakes at that position cost us in the run game last year and, and a few times in the passing game. And uh, I, I love the approach he takes and how disciplined his guys uh, are going to be if they follow what he says. Are you seeing progress with that group so far? Yeah, we are. Uh, we've had a couple guys nicked up at that spot and miss a little bit of time, but it's allowed us to give a lot of guys reps. And, um, you know, like I said, if nothing else, I think that group's going to be better just because of the coach they have working with them. Yeah. All right, let's go up front. Uh, you, you got some losses up front. The Davis Twins graduated. Both are in the NFL. Darian Daniels on a practice squad in the NFL. But you rotated quite a few bodies at that position a year ago. How about the defensive line, and what, what early lean have you seen from that group in camp? Well, I think it's kind of wait and see with them. Obviously, we get to gotten to see ourselves in pads a little bit here uh, since we were able to put them on. 
but you really aren't going to know how well the defensive line is going to play until you you see live uh, football and a little more time with guys in pads. Uh, you know, Ben Stilley's kind of the anchor. He's been here. Uh, he certainly looks like he's improved his game and ready to, to do good things for us. Uh, Snacks has had a really good camp, and um, I think he's going to be a, a good player for us. And then we got a lot of, again, a lot of fresh faces that uh, have shown a lot of promise, certainly a, a lot of size at that position. And uh, we need those guys to come out and play physical right away. You had a couple of junior college defenders that you've added to the mix uh, along your front seven and, and like Riley and Payne and, and Cooper. Are, have they been able to get in and compete? Do you, you anticipate those guys having an impact on, on the fall season? Yeah, uh, Jordan Riley and Nico Cooper and Phil Darius and uh, Keem Green, too, um, all need to be guys that have come to us from JUCO and, and help us. Um, and, I, and we're getting good returns from those guys right now in practice, so uh, hopefully those guys will be a big contributors for us. Yesterday, Coach Barrett Rude, and he may have – maybe he, he jumped the gun. I, I don't know. He mentioned that Luke Reimer now has been put on scholarship. Is that accurate? And is there any other walk-ons that, that may be getting that nod here in the coming weeks? Yeah, we have uh, four or five scholarships to hand out to the guys that have earned them. Um, Luke Reimer probably earned one last year as well as he played, and is just a great example. We want what our we want our walk-on program to do for us is uh, give us a guy that was a borderline scholarship guy out of high school, and he came to Nebraska, and really it took no time at all for us to recognize that he was he was. Uh, worthy of earning a scholarship and i think he's he's just such a fast kid that has a nose for the football i expect great things from him um there'll be uh probably three or four others that we we can announce soon that are on scholarship but uh, definitely pleased with luke and a lot of the other guys that chose to walk on sounds like luke is going to be a factor for you on that inside linebacker position is that accurate yeah we feel like uh you know colin and will uh, are going to be probably the main guys for us, but uh, Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer uh, are going to get plenty of playing time too, and, and really man rotation, and uh, we expect all those guys to give us good play. Yeah. All right, the secondary, as we kind of round through this team through the first week of fall camp, uh, you've got some experienced names back there. You get a guy back like Deontay Williams, who missed most of last year getting hurt in week one. What's the early grade card on that secondary as you get into camp here? Yeah, first of all, it's great to have Deontay back. That was a big loss for us last year. Um, Not only is he a good player, but he's been one of the best leaders on our defense. Uh, He and DiCaprio have done an unbelievable job uh, setting the standard and holding everybody up to it. Um, They do a great job leading for us. So it's great to have him back. Obviously, Cam Taylor-Britt has played a lot for us and is ready to do good things for us. Markel Dismuke. Uh, And then we just got a gang of young, talented guys uh, that are fighting for playing time and trying to work their way up. And uh, we're excited about a lot of those guys. I I feel really good about the secondary. We got to do a better job getting pass rush and and do some other things to help them. But um, those guys have done really well in camp. 
All right, Coach is with us, 531-500-4686. Let's take a call before we go to our first break. Let's go to Norfolk and Brian. Hello, Brian. You're up with the head coach. Hey, guys. Yeah, Coach, uh, I was just wanting to talk to you about Omar Manning. How is he looking in fall camp? And and uh, tell me, you know, uh, how the rest of the wide receivers are doing. I kind of missed that part. Yeah, I feel like we have a lot of depth at receiver. Uh, definitely a lot of new faces that are adding a ton to the talent there. Uh, it's going to be a challenge to get those guys up to speed to help us as fast as they can. Um, Omar's Omar's doing great. He's missed a, a little bit of time for uh, health reasons and personal reasons. That's kind of um, maybe delayed it, his progress a little bit, but uh, we all know what we have in him and uh, looking forward to him being a big part of the, the team in the future. It's our first Husker football show for the fall. The head coach, Scott Frost, with us until the top of the hour, 531-500-4686. The number to dial us up with a comment or question or fire off a text. Let's go read a text. John in Omaha, coach, wants to know what challenges will extending the current seniors' eligibility present next year as far as recruiting and maintaining players? Well, we'll see. I think there's still a lot of unknowns about how that's all going to be managed and how that's going to work. Um, our senior class is a great group of guys. Um, until we know any different, I'm going to extend the opportunity for any one of them that wants to come back and, and play another year to be back. And um, I'm sure we'll ha- we'll learn the rules on how that affects the total number of scholarships and everything down the road. But the guys that we got right now, we, we'll keep as long as we can. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's head up to Minnesota. Tim, you're up next with the head coach. Good evening. Yeah. Um, by the way, um, the thing is, I probably, the rest of what I had wanted to say last night, I just put in a text. But um, what I wanted to ask the coach is just keeping in mind those guys that he had played with, the great ones in, um, such as Wistrom and Peter, um, we've talked a lot or We've heard a lot about the size, the improvement in size, maybe some athleticism, but the size of our defensive line. Um, just remembering the difference at the speed of like Wisterm, Peter, and others um, had in Nebraska finally getting championships for Osborne. Uh, how would you describe, how are they doing when it comes to just the speed and quickness of pass rush on our defensive line now okay well you're 100 right uh this is certainly a physical league in the big 10 and there's a lot of really big human beings in the big 10 so you need big enough guys uh that you don't get pushed around and you can win the physical battles uh that being said that there's nothing that beats speed on a football field so um you want you want fast guys but big fast guys beat little fast guys and uh, I think we, we continue to make progress in all those areas, getting more athletic, getting bigger. And um, it's, a, it's a process getting every position to look like it's supposed to look. But uh, I feel good about the progress we've made on, on both those fronts. Back to our text line. Greg, you asked him about the junior college guys on the defense, but you didn't mention Va Clements. Can you ask Coach about how he's doing? Yeah, Tiva's doing well, uh, learning the linebacker spot for us. Um, expect him to be a contributor and uh, definitely play some special teams for us. Uh, hopefully get on the field on the defensive side. So uh, as many guys as we can get that can run and hit, uh, we're in better shape. 
You mentioned Keem Green. He came last year. You're able to save a red shirt with him. He got in a couple of games for you. What? What? Where? Where do you want to go eventually with junior college recruiting? Is it just something fill for some needs each year, or will it vary from year to year as you move this thing through? It'll vary. Um, you know, we 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 don't want to major in that. Uh, I imagine we'll try not to take too many guys from the JUCO ranks, but if it's the right one, or if we have position need, we will and. Um, we're certainly glad we have the ones that we have, and uh, hopefully they play well for us. Last week you had the, the tough news came out that Braxton Clark has been hurt and lost for the year. What a tough blow. That, that young guy, it was kind of his time with Lamar graduating and moving on. Uh, how's, how's Braxton doing, and what about what, who's that open, open up the door for, for some opportunities for some playing time now? Well, I think you know Cam Taylor's probably going to be a, a corner for us full time and DiCaprio on the other side. Um, Braxton was in the mix competing with those guys and others. Uh, we got a lot of young guys that have played well and uh, we're kind of, kind of like running back. We're trying to see who's going to step up and be the next guys up. But uh, there's four or five guys at that position that um, have shown us the ability to be able to play at this level. So um excited about the, the young depth at that spot. You you have moved a couple of guys around position-wise. Uh, Payne has moved from a, a defensive line to an outside linebacker. Javen Wright was moved up to an outside linebacker. What, what, have, you, have you experimented much or because of the reduced practice time before your first game, are you limited in what you can kind of try out with some guys right now? Um, you know, we've had limited practice time, but we kind of haven't. Uh, we've had a lot of practices, just not many with pads on, a lot of walkthroughs. Um, even though we missed spring, we've gotten to know our guys pretty well. And we're just trying to do the best we can to shuffle them. Uh, in Javen Wright's case, he, he's a big athletic kid, and, and we felt like uh, he could give us help in a bunch of different positions. But uh, with him gaining a little bit of weight, I uh, feel like he could be even more valuable for us down. Um the opposite of that, Phil Darius uh, lost a little bit of weight being sick and came back to us, and we decided to uh, move him to the outside backer. So uh, we're just trying to take all those pieces and get them in the right spots. All right, I didn't ask you about a couple of positions. I'm going to go back through my list here. Tight ends. What about the tight end position? You've had some of these guys stole Alan Raftall for a couple of years now. How about that position, and, and what growth are you seeing there, and how big a part can they be of the offense this fall? Yeah, they need to be a bigger part for us. Uh, of all the position groups on the team, that one uh, is performing maybe as well or better than any of them. Um, really pleased with Coach Becton's guys and the job he's done. Uh, Jack Stoll coming back. Austin Allen just continues to improve and um, does a, a really good things. And then Travis Vokalek and, and Kurt Raftall at that spot. I think we got some talent and some depth, and, and we need to do a good job as coaches using those guys. And how about the the kicking game? That certainly was a spot that was a was not a positive in a lot of cases for Nebraska last year. You've brought in a, a handful of kickers. What, what's the update? What what's that look like in the first week of fall camp? Well, yeah, it's going to be better. We're going to make it better. Um, like the group, we have a lot better now. Will Will Pristop and Daniel Cerny are, are battling to be the punter. Uh, quite a few guys that are battling to be the kickoff. Probably led by uh, Colpin Crawford. Um, but I, I, I've definitely seen improvement 
uh, from the from from what we saw last year. A lot of hidden yards lost, weren't there, Coach, last year with, you know, maybe a punt that didn't get as far down the field or not been able to get kickoffs out of the end zone. Uh, do, do you go back and chart hidden yards that you gave away or didn't collect in that phase of the game? Sure. Um, and the stats are, are really telling. Uh, we've had terrible average starting position on both sides of the ball. And, you know, Coach Osborne, every game before we played, said the same three things. He said the more physical team is going to win, the team that wins the turnover battle is going to win, and the team that plays better on special teams is going to win. And uh, that's a phase of the game that uh, having more athletes will help with, but uh, we definitely need better execution and better play to give ourselves a chance. You brought in a, a guy to kind of help analyze that position for you. Has that paid off? Has that, has that been beneficial in the first uh, seven, eight months he's been on campus with you? Yeah, it has. You know, having somebody off the field um, that can devote his time to that, I, I hope pays off when, when we get into games here. Um, you know, it's tough to coach a position and uh, put enough time into special teams that you would need to to have that unit be elite. So hopefully this will give us uh, someone with his eyes completely on the special teams and devoted to that, and, and hopefully that pays off. Our first Husker football show of the fall. The head coach, Scott Frost, with us until the top of the hour. 531-500-4686, the number to call, or you can fire off a text at that same number. Let's go back to the text line. Coach, can you talk about uh, how you feel about your 2021 recruiting class, and are you still are there certain positions you're still looking to add to that class? I feel good about it, especially considering the, the circumstances um, – said this before but our our best chance of selling recruits and getting them is bringing them to lincoln letting them see it letting them experience game day it's been a challenge for us to to recruit a whole class without allowing any of those guys to come on official or unofficial visits to lincoln um we're probably as far away from the average recruit that we bring in as anybody in the country and certainly has hasn't helped us that the pandemic hit and the recruiting rules are what they are but feel great about the guys we got i think we're building another really good class um probably still looking for a couple more d linemen um and after that probably just best available maybe another db linebacker uh so uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep working on on the guys that we're talking to and and try to finish it out the right way You've had to be creative in this time when you can't bring student perspective, student athletes on campus. Who who handles some of that? You've got some pretty good people who put together some really catchy videos and that type of thing on social media that I would think would be pretty attractive to the to the young the young man you're recruiting. Who who helps with you with all that? Well, the recruiting guys have done a good job, and that's uh, Sean Dillon and Ryan Callahan and Trent Mossbrucker. Uh, they all work their butts off to make sure we're recruiting the right guys and they, they piece it all together. Uh, but Ora Garst is, is really the creative genius in our office and him and his team do a good job putting those videos together. And so much has had to be done virtually this year that uh, those guys have been essential. They've been really good. Back to our text line. Coach, can you give us an update on Ronald Tompkins? How's he doing? Yeah, Ronald's one of the guys right in the mix to uh, be the next running back up. Um, you know, we were a little worried about his health, had to have a, a knee surgery since he's been here. And, um, we, we didn't know how well he'd be able to hold up, but, uh, man, he's shown flashes of, of being really good. So, um, 
know, we're going to let those guys compete here and, and decide uh, and, I guess, see who can win the, the number two running back spot. Very good. Let's go back to the phones. Let's run up to Omaha. Howard, you're up next with the head coach. Good evening. Yes, a uh, great show tonight. First of all, uh, Scott, I want to extend my condolences and sympathies to you and your family uh, for your father, uh, and I hope things will go well uh, for you with that. Uh, pivoting to the football team, thoughts on the development of, of you know the leadership uh, with the student-athletes you know, taking ownership. Do you, do you see a little bit more of that now? in year three as far as the culture building so that when it's time to play Husker football, uh, Scott, we can go out and, and take out all these opponents. Best of luck. I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts and, and go Big Red. Yeah, I guess there, there's a lot of things I could say about that. First of all, uh, this pandemic, uh, of all the uh, negative impacts it's had, probably one of the positive impacts for our football team is it's it's allowed our leadership to develop. Um, there was a lot of time through the summer and even into the fall that coaches couldn't be around any of the players, and, and the players had to run walkthroughs, run practices. Um, they were the ones demanding everybody else be there. I think they grew closer together as a group. Um, tells you a lot when you when you give people responsibilities and let them uh, take hold of it. That usually you get a lot of return from that. Um, you know, we had a special culture at Nebraska for a long time, and there's an element of toughness and confidence um, that goes into that and a hundred other things. Uh, those cultures aren't built overnight, particularly one uh, that operated at that level, uh, but I do I feel like we're getting closer and closer to it all the time. One of the things that, that happened when the season was canceled or postponed back in August, Bill Moose had to make some really difficult decisions on furloughs and cuts. One of the things was the, was the training table. Is that back and running again for your team? It's obviously a very important part of it is to make sure these guys are putting the right things in their bodies. Yeah, it, it operates a little different than it used to. Um, we don't have guys sitting down together. Uh, we don't have people serving them food. We don't have guys scooping food for themselves. It's kind of all coming in prepackaged containers, and they go pick up what they want and kind of go sit apart from each other and or, or go home and enjoy their meals. Uh, but Dave Ellis and, and his group have done a good job uh, managing through all this. Uh, it's important what you put in your body, and um, – we're we're doing the best we can for our guys right now under the circumstances, and they have quite an operation down there. You know, you walk down and you you get your COVID test and go straight from there to to get your meal. And uh, we're doing the best we can to keep our guys healthy. It's got to create some challenges about even meeting as a team, right? Can you even get the whole group together to have team meetings, or is that something that you've kind of lost in all this? No, to be honest, we've lost that, and mm. and that's uh, that's one of the hurdles. Uh, just getting messages circulated throughout the team, uh, getting points across to an entire team. Uh, you got to take advantage of the, the moments you have. Um, we we've been reluctant to put our whole team in the team meeting room uh, just because it's too close to quarters, and we're getting too close to the game. Where if you have uh, one guy that tests positive, and it, you know, that could lead to a bunch and we don't want to risk that. So the biggest meetings we've had is unit meetings with the whole offense or the whole defense. And typically when we have those, it's in the Hawks uh, indoor with guys spread out. And 
we're, we're doing everything we can, but I do miss having the, the full team meeting. Oh, I bet. That's, that's a fun part of being a part of a, a collective group like that. What about the roster size right now, Coach? I mean, I, I know the league is limiting every school to 170 daily tests. Did, that, did, did you have to reduce the roster because of all this? Still a little unclear on that. Um, I'm waiting to kind of get some answers and have discussions about that, and uh, we'll let you know when we know. Very good. The athletic department announced a sea of red, a chance for folks to, to buy cutouts and do that type of thing to be active in game day. Going to be strange, Coach, here in a few weeks when, when you come out onto Memorial Stadium and Tom Osborne Field and not have fans in the stands. How, how do you how do you try to, to generate excitement with your football team when they're not going to have those great Husker fans out there cheering them on? <laughs> Well, we're doing the best we can. Uh, we're going to have to bring our own enthusiasm. Um, certainly not crazy about the decision to not have fans. I know that wasn't a local decision. Um, I think that was kind of one that was forced upon us. So we want to do whatever we can for our fans, and we'll keep fighting. But uh, our kids are practicing right now with no music and no noise, and we practice in the stadium with an empty stadium, and uh, they're going to have to bring their own juice. Fans here are pretty amazing, aren't they? I mean, I know it goes back to your playing days, how much you appreciate Husker Nation and how much they support this football program. And it's, it's, I'm sure it's one of your biggest selling points when you're out recruiting. It is. It's one of the things that makes Nebraska special. I'm sitting outside right now watching the sunset and the leaves turn and the perfect weather, and that's special about Nebraska. But game days at Memorial Stadium, um, it really doesn't get any better than that, and it's a special experience for a, a player, a coach, and and the fans. And uh, it's going to be a rough year for everybody not having that environment. All right, back to our tax line, Coach. Uh, do you have the Unity Council? And if so, what players are running that? We have a leadership group. Um, same thing. And – uh, we have representatives from every position on that group, and, and those are the guys that have really taken the bull by the horns and uh, organized, organized a lot of things for us and, and been coaches when the coaches haven't been there. Um, so feel good about where we are. And back to the text line. Coach, take me back to your playing days. Do you have one game you remember as a really big win and one game you you wish you had back? Oh, that's a loaded one right there. <laughs> that's loaded but i think everybody would already know the answers to those questions um yeah i only lost uh twice so those are the two i'd want back and um can't beat a national championship game and and then the special night in uh columbia that that made my friend famous so um there's some good memories I thought that Orange Bowl win, I, that, that one would stick out in mind. Also, I thought you had a pretty good game at uh, at Washington, right? Early early one season, a really big matchup with the top five team. That was probably a blast to play in that one. It was. Uh, yeah, that was kind of the, the big game for us to uh, get some confidence and momentum and, and kind of catapulted us to the rest of the season. Uh, that was definitely a, a beautiful day and. uh in Seattle. Here's a, t- a touching text we just got. Coach, as a Malcolm alum, I'm sorry for you and your family's loss of your father. I'll never forget being amazed walking into school and looking at the school records, and one man could have the 100-meter record and the shot put record on the same board. He raised a great man. There you go. 
That's awfully nice. Thank you. Very, very nice. All right, uh, what's ahead? Are you going to do some scrimmages? Or do you, a lot of times those happen at the end of the week or maybe on a Saturday. What's the plan as you get starting to get geared up for a game here in a little over two weeks? Yeah, practices have been physical. Uh, we've had a, a live period or two in almost every practice. Um, back in the day, we used to have the pit under the old Schulte Fieldhouse where the O&D line would, would have live uh, pods. Um, we've been doing that in the indoor when we were practicing outdoors. We're probably going to have uh, a couple more situational live uh, periods the next couple of days, and then uh, scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, but uh, you know, we we're going to keep hitting. Uh, I want our guys to to be tough and and play with that type of attitude. Um, keep as many healthy as we can, but but we need to get more physical. Are you to the point in camp yet where you have to start paring it down and and putting together your ones and your twos and making some decisions? Or are you still a few days away from that? Yeah, we'll probably start to have those conversations soon. I imagine after the scrimmage, uh, when we really start turning our focus to our first game, uh, we'll definitely have to, to make make some of those decisions. With a road game up first, what are they? Is it the seventy man travel squad? What what do you know about how many you're going to be allowed to take to road games this year? Is it the same? Uh, uh, hopefully, we can take more. Yeah. Um, Maybe that decision's been made, and I've been focused on football, but uh, not sure. Uh, I think our kids would would walk somewhere to play right now if if they got a chance to play. We certainly have a big challenge in the first game, but uh, want to take as many as we can and play as well as we can. How about your tempo? Uh, Coach Lubick last week talked about trying to get things to go a little quicker. We talked to a couple of your players on defense earlier in this week, and they talked about a noticeable difference in the in the offense's tempo, that it is faster. Do you feel like you can play faster now with this offense? I think we can, yeah. Um, we've kind of simplified some things so that it can go faster. Um, and I've, I've been impressed with it. Uh, there's been uh, some times when I, it hasn't been up to our standard, and uh, the more familiar our guys get with schemes on both sides, the easier it is to execute at a fast pace. Um, so the experience and, and being in year three definitely helps. And with quarterbacks, who certainly understand your system quite a bit. Uh, when Obviously, a three-year starter in Adrian should know about everything you could throw at him. Um, how about his leadership ability? Have you seen him grow as a leader since he stepped foot on campus? Yeah, Adrian's just a, a great kid. Um does everything we ask him. He's not the most vocal guy in the world, but I've coached some great leaders that weren't vocal. And um, you're still able to set an example and and hold other people to that standard, even if if it's not loud and uh, laced with profanity. So uh, we we need all types of leaders, and, and all the quarterbacks are doing a really good job. Well, very good. Glad you're back in pads. Glad we got a season on the horizon. Can't wait to watch this team compete here in the fall. Keep the guys healthy, but get the work in, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you soon. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. It's time to buy or sell. Buy Sell is brought to you by Famous Dave's, your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue, made-from-scratch sides, and award-winning desserts. Famous Dave's, we do catering right. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Whitty and Josh Hilkeman. 
Here we are for another week, and last week, if you'll remember, everybody had a fantastic week, did really well, except for Tim. So um, we'll see, we'll find out how everybody did this week. We didn't have nearly as many answers this week, mostly because last week it was the end of the Major League Baseball season, so we had some future questions that were answered, but only five answers this week, so you couldn't do too bad unless you were like 0 for 5 or something, and I'm... I'll spoil it. Nobody went 0 for 5, but <laughs> some people were, were better and worse than others. So we'll jump into the answers here, and we start with a question from September 23rd, Major League Baseball question that was asked by myself. I asked by or sell that at least five of the eight Major League Baseball wild card round series would go to a third game. The answer was a sell. Only two, not five, only two went to a third game. That was the Padres and Cardinals and A's White Sox. So... That one came up well short. Everybody was smart about it and sold it, except for me. So I bought my own <laughs> oh. question, and that was not smart. <laughs> I, I just didn't know. Yeah, I don't know what I was doing there, but ouch, not good. <laughs> All right, next up, another college football question asked by Josh Byersell that at least two of the five favorite teams in the Big 12 would lose this past weekend. That ended up being a bye. Texas lost to TCU. Baylor lost to West Virginia and Oklahoma lost to Iowa State. State. And uh, Greg, you bought that, got it right. And Josh and Tim were also buyers and got it right. So we split that one down the middle. 3-3. Three, three. That's what that's what you know you got a good question yes. if it goes 3-3. Three, three. Yep. I felt good about that Not one, not one of those Ben questions. Hey, right, yeah, yeah. right, right. <laughs> it's not just if you're split. If, if just we could. all six could be on the same page, but if we all six get it wrong. That's true. That is true. That's accurate. All right. Uh, another college football question, this time asked by Greg, by ourselves that in this past Saturday's Georgia-Auburn game, there would be more than 45 combined points scored. The answer was a sell. Only 33 points scored. 27-6, Georgia won that one. And it was the majority that got it right. Uh, the only two that got it wrong by with a bye were myself and Ben. So everybody else sold it and was correct. I expected Bo Nix to get in the end zone once. Auburn stalled so many Ooh, times mm-hmm, inside the Georgia 20. Yep, they just sure did. All right, next answer coming from the NBA. I asked this question by ourselves that the Miami Heat would shoot at least 2% better than the Lakers from three-point range in the first four games of the NBA Finals. That ended up being a sell. The Lakers shot 35.5%, while the Heat only shot 35.2%. So not, the Heat didn't even shoot better. Uh, the uh, Ben and Austin were both sellers. They both got that correct. I needed uh, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson to show yep, up in those first no three doubt. games. They didn't. Yep, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope uh, not show up for the Lakers. Right. Or Markeith Morris. Yeah, what the heck is this? <laughs> they were not good in those in the first few series. Morris was better, but KCP was awful in those first few series. Yeah. Uh, And we have just one more answer. It came on a question from Tim, a French Open question. Byers saw that Dominic Thiem would make it to the final of the French Open, and that was a sell. He lost in the quarterfinals to Diego Schwartzman in five sets yesterday. And it was another one where the person who asked the question was the only <laughs> one to get it wrong. Tim oh. Tim bought it and was incorrect. The rest of us got it right with a sell. He's done that like multiple times just yeah. on tennis questions. By the way, I'll, I'll call myself out here. I got in the uh, sports ticker earlier tonight. I said that theme made it through to the semifinals. I was wrong, but 
I we at least got the answer right to the buy sell question, which is what really matters. He he did lose before the semifinals. I'm starting to feel sorry for Tim. I, I really am. Oh, well, my God. No. no. Not yet. <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> Maybe. There. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, not yet. Um <laughs> We'll see how, you know, maybe if he just takes an absolute beating tomorrow and face off and then continues his terrible slide in by sell, then maybe you can start to feel sorry for him, but not yet. You feel, you feel bad for him until he starts talking. And That's true. Like, yeah, That's yeah, true. Ben is salivating for, for face-off oh, questions wait. for Tim tomorrow. I was going to wait. Okay, I, I actually talked to Tim earlier today, and he said he's a little bit nervous, which is like, okay, Tim, maybe you should have thought about that yeah. before you started running your mouth. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Here's my strategy tomorrow. Which five college football teams are the last to win a national championship? Tim will go. Um, buzz. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. All right. Totals for this week. Only five answers, as we said. Greg, you had a great week. Four of five. Solid. Ben, three of five. So above 500. Myself, two of five. Not very oh. good. Uh, Brett and Tim both went three of five. Austin, a great week at four. Of five, Good. so uh, overall, Greg Ben still tied for first place, thirty-nine of sixty-one, well over sixty percent. So great seasons for you guys so far. Austin is in second place, thirty-five of sixty-one, so only four back. Where's Tim? Tim is twelve back. Um, he's got a ways to <laughs> Tim's make a up. Caboose. Yep, he is forty-four point three percent. Yep. Oh my goodness. Not gr- oh, especially in a season where everybody's doing so well to be that far back. Not good. He's Brad is in is in fifth place. Uh, he's eight back, so he's still four yeah, four points ahead of Tim. And I, <laughs> Brad isn't having a great season, but better than Tim for sure. Just. Plainly average, but Tim is just, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. This week's right. questions. So here we go. I'm going to lead us off, and since you ended with a French Open, I'll begin with a French Open question. Buy or sell that Rafael Nadal wins his 13th French Open this year. I go first. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm selling. Oh, whoa, whoa. I, I already started typing in buy. Interesting. I'll buy it. I'm I'm all on board. You think Joker is going to win then? I do. I will sell that and just take the field due to lack of knowledge of tennis. I mean, Where are they at in the tournament? They're basically now to the semis, aren't they? Or do they have yeah. one more? I think today was the quarters. So, yeah, yeah, I think they're to the semis. So he's through to the semis. So he, he needs is. to win yes. two more. Yes. Correct. Give me him, baby. Lucky 13. So you're right. buying. 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 So this was a good Awful. question then. I might, because I, might watch, I might watch a tennis match. All right. It's Maybe. hard to find I'll, it. It's on the I'll tennis consider. channel. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It has this. It's yeah. hard to find. It is hard to find. So, yeah, good job, Greg, with that question because we split 2-2 so far yeah. at least. All right, Ben. Okay. Ben question. Here comes the layup. We're on a fast break. It's three on none. All we got to do is lay it in, boys. <laughs> Buy or sell that Levante David has more Hi. tackles <laughs> than the Buccaneers – Leading receiver has receptions <laughs> versus the Bears. Ooh. So more ta- – do they have to be unassisted or are they go- just total, total just, tackles? Just, yeah, total tackles, whatever's marked in the column. So he's at 35 total tackles now, mm. and he's ranged between 4 and 11 on the season. Ooh. So buy or sell that Levante has more tackles than the leading receiver has receptions versus the Bears. Mike Evans is questionable. That okay. is a really good question. Thanks, or, Brett. Or is hey, it? No, thanks, no, bud. No, I'm serious. Or is it? There, yeah. There's no sarcasm behind that. I was like, this is making me think. 
I'm taking I'm, I'm taking Levante in the tackles. Yeah, I'm buying too. I'm I'm, I'm right buying. there with you. Yeah, I'm gonna buy the tackles there. Everybody buy. Yeah, I don't I don't want to make Guys, it seem. Guys, he had four tackles in a game once. Come it's on. just it's Levante. Right. You know what are we supposed to do? He, maybe if you had said he has at least two more than the leading receiver, then it would have. I, I just think that he's gonna have a good good game. Even if he even if he caps it at. 11. It's doable. Right. I, I'm now interested in that game. All right. I, I Now I'm hoping the receiver – I don't know if the receiver does it just because we're, we're all on the same page again on my question. <laughs> all right. I'm going Major League Baseball next with my first question. Buy or sell that there will be at least two shutouts between tomorrow's Major League Baseball games and the end of the ALCS slash NLCS. So be, up to the World Series, starting with games tomorrow, that there are at least two shutouts. There was one today. The Braves have had what three already? Correct. I think. Yeah, yeah they they've had a couple. What are you doing? I am going to buy. I love love shutouts, good pitching, baseball playoffs, buying. I I'll sell that hmm. one. Give me all the points. I, I think you got some really good offenses that are going to make it to the next round, and even True. even tomorrow. Two of them? God, that's a really good line. That's about what it's – so if t- two would be a buy? Two would be a buy. So if it's one or fewer, then that's a sell. Mm. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a great line. What can I say? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I, I'm going oh, to sell, and I don't feel very good about it. Okay, Ben. I'm selling. Here's why. I, I, there are still a lot of good pitchers that are not pitching mm-hmm. uh, with injuries. And even the ones that are left are really susceptible to the long ball, like Garrett Cole, Blake Snell. A lot of the guys that are still going in the playoffs right. do give up a lot of home runs, so I'm Fair. selling. Okay, Brett. All right, next up, um, uh, your weekly NBA question from me. Buy or sell that LeBron James wins final in- finals MVP, and I'm going to buy that one. <laughs> yeah, I Bye. think – That'll, that's an easy buy. Basically, if Anthony Davis doesn't go off and LeBron James just plays an average game, it's... it's yeah, they're going to give it to him. I'm buying two. And I don't think Bye. Jimmy Butler's coming back down from 3-1. Can we harass Brett for this question so we can crawl Brett, off my Brett's, hey, No, while? because... Wait till, wait till it's over. Brett's, for the season, I just I just added this up right before the show started. <laughs> Brett is uh, at 48.3% correct on all his <laughs> questions. Yeah. Which is tied for the hardest question asker with Tim, also at 48.3. Ben, you're at 72.7. Hey, I'm back down to a C. Oh, my Back down to a C. You're not going for 100%. How how can there be that much of a discrepancy is the question. (laughs) Speaking of Tim, I'm going to give you his next. All right. Yes, we're ready. Buy or sell that Tyler Hero records a double-double in any of the remaining games in the NBA Finals. He double, Absolutely double. no chance. I'm not yeah. even waiting for my turn. Uh, I, <laughs> I mean, it can be your wait, turn. wait, wait. Why? What? You, not a Tyler Hero fan? I mean, a double it's just double is not, not okay. Yeah. You think he has only got one game probably left to do it? I mean, I think I think he's a great player and he's going to be a great player, but he's mm-hmm. not getting a double double. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll go along with that. I'll sell. I double double seem, and he might just have one more game left. Like that's not. Yeah. Uh, it seems like. It's pretty obvious when Tim asks a question what the answer is going to be. So, yeah, I'm going to go. Well, and remember, Tim always buys his questions. So yeah. He does. That's why he's in last. Fade, right. fade his picks all the way. Yep. So we all sold, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to buy it, and he's going to get it wrong. So that'll be fun to talk about next Wednesday. Josh, I hope you're keeping track of these. Aren't I you? am. Oh, yeah. Okay, 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 good. 
All right, uh, back to me now. My second one, Saturday night, top 10 college football matchup, Clemson and Miami. Are you buy or selling that Tyler Lawrence has more total offense than De'Eric King? And I will say, through their first three games, King averages more per game. But having said that, Lawrence has played like a half in one of them. He threw like right. nine passes in one of them. Put that I'm, I'm going to buy that Tyler Lawrence has more off total offense. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. Good um, question. That is, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, give me, give me the Clemson slinger. Yeah, I'm gonna buy that one only because I think Clemson's defense gives Derek a little harder of a time than he's had in the first few weeks. So you guys both bought. Did you give your answer, Greg? Yes, I bought. I, I, I'm buying Lawrence. Okay. Um, I'll be different. I'll sell. I, I need to make up some ground, so let's, let's sell it. All right. All right. My, yeah, Ben, second question. Okay, back to me. All right. Buy or sell that the longest home run hit in the Yankees-Rays or the Braves-Marlins series is over – 425 feet and I was originally going to start this question tomorrow but since there's a game in progress we'll say from right now forward okay so buy or sell the longest homer hit in the Yankees Rays or the Braves Marlins is over 425 feet and I'm buying that so say again when the starting point is Right now, right so now. The rest of rest of the Yankees game today and the rest okay. of those two series. So they're in the top of the sixth right now, seven two. You want to call your shot? Yeah, I will. Uh, John Carlo. Yep. All right, I'm gonna buy, and it's for that exact reason. Is Yankees had the bombers? Um. So you said 425, right? Yep. That's I've, a bomb. I feel it is a bomb, but and I feel like they've been kind of shorting guys like Giancarlo hit one that seemed like it should have been at least 490 and it was measured at like 440 something and I was shocked by that one so. we will go by the ESPN box scores because right. that's the easiest one yeah. to look up yeah. I'll, uh, I'll sell that hey we got a different answer <laughs> 2 and 1 I know, it's probably not a good idea. The the ball's been carrying a lot of these ballparks they've been playing at so far, so True. I'm going to buy. I'm yeah, buy. That's, nice. It's a good point. Call your shot, Greg. Mm. Nah, I don't really have anybody in mind. <laughs> give, me a, give me a Marcelo Suna. Okay. okay, it's not a bad guess. No. Gonna, I thought you were going to go with Gio Ursula. All right, now it is actually my turn, my second question. For this one, I'm going to go with the NFL. Buy or sell that Russell Wilson throws for at least 350 yards against the Vikings on Sunday. And? I will buy. Got to buy my questions like Tim, you know? Yeah, you really don't want to follow that lead. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Brett? Uh, I'll sell it just to be different. 350 is a bunch. Vikings have a little momentum now. They've won a game. He's averaging uh, about 330 a game. I'm going to sell. I, I think it's a little high. Okay. I'm selling, too. Vikings were actually decent. I, I Now, I know uh, who was it they played last week? I don't know. Another 0-3 team. There's now 0-4. 
Falcons? No. I don't remember. I can't remember either. But whoever it was, was wasn't very good in the first half. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. But then started getting going in the fourth quarter. Um, God, it's just killing me. I can't think of who it is. Doesn't matter. You're selling. I'm, I'm selling. He doesn't get to 350. Okay. All right. Brett. All right, next question, uh, college football question. Buy or sell that North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance is a top 10 draft pick in the 2021 mm. NFL draft. <laughs> top 10? Top 10. So if he's picked 10, that's a buy. Deshaun Watson, by the way. That's who I was thinking of. Deshaun Watson okay. is going to go top 10? No. That, <laughs> he played the Vikings last week. There you go. Got it. He ended up with 300, but he had like 100 and he had like 70 yards at halftime. Anyway, sorry. Brett, are you go buying or selling this one? I, I'm going to buy it just because, yeah, quarterback is so highly valued these days. I think he'll climb even from where he is right now. Where is he at right Boy, now? I've seen anywhere from 5 to 22. I, I, Ooh, yeah, that's a big range. That's the only – he played one game this season. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. He didn't play two years ago, so they've got like 15 games of tape on this guy. Right. I, I think he's going to be the third or fourth guy quarterback in this draft, so I don't think he goes in the top ten. I would sell. Selling, all right. Ooh. Yeah. I know this is tough. I was, I was going to start with 12. Would you have bought it if it was 12? Maybe. Yeah. Oh, man. I'll buy it, though. I, I agree with Brett's logic that it's, you know, quarterbacks always jump up, and I think that he will, too, climb I'm, the draft board. Unless somebody trades up, I'm going through. The Jets will not draft, draft him. The Texans won't draft him. The Giants won't draft him. The Falcons won't draft him. Jacksonville could. Dallas won't. That's why this Denver is such a good won't. question. We don't know the draft chargers. What won't. a what a great question. Great. I'm selling. Good job, guys. He's not going to be top ten. <laughs> All right. Unless somebody trades up, which is always a possibility. All right. I've got one more. Right. We've got Austin. Austin. Yeah. Austin. Right. Don't forget you about guys, Austin. You guys ready for this? Uh oh. Yep. Uh -oh. Buy or sell that Jeremiah Searles oh. Sports <laughs> Nightly Fantasy <laughs> Football League team wins at least as many games as Josh Banderas' team loses. <laughs> They're so bad. Okay. They're so he, so, Searles <laughs> wins as many games or more than Bando's Josh team loses. Josh loses. Bando's 4-0, Searles is 0-4. <laughs> you know what? Oh, man. I'm going to... Sell that. I don't think he's going to win another game. <laughs> I don't know about that, but Bando is just so good. He's going to maybe lose one or two, but I don't think that Searles, Searles has been just putrid so far. Yeah, I think I'm going to sell that one. Just Searles' team is so bad. It's so bad. I, I shouldn't say that too fast because I think I'm matched up against Searles this week, so I'll probably end up his, eating my his words. His team is like if you went and got all your players from the waiver wire the week after the draft. Right. Which isn't what happened. I, I'm going to sell. I don't think he wins hardly any games. I, I got to find. I'm pulling up his team right now. <laughs> it's, Band, look, it's Bando's getting a ton of praise, as he should, but his team is not invincible. No, like, it's no. not at all. It's the, like, like Mick's team, Josh's team, like even Austin's here's team. Here's the thing they, about toe-to-toe. -to -toe right. Here's the thing about our league. It's There's Bando at the very top, who's who's good, but and then Searles at the very bottom who's not very good and then everybody else in the middle is is right in the middle at two and two yeah and but i would say that 
Bando's team is not as good as Cyril's team is bad. I'll say that. So, yes, I think that Bando could probably start racking up some losses, but I don't really see it. Yeah, Which, that team is not good, so, boys. <laughs> so you're selling too, Ben, or are you buying? Uh, I'm just trying to think. If he loses – even if even if he loses, like – so, so if if it's going, let me think through this quick. If ha, if it's going to be a buy, I need Bando's team to win a bunch, right? And and I need Searles to win. Searles to win a a, or, a little bit more than right. You need both. You're cheering for both of them to win. Actually, yeah. is what you're doing. Um, God. All right, I'll be different. I'll sell it. I think it all could happen. We all really we do. all sold it. Or bot, I'll buy it. All right. I, I think it could happen. I want to know what Austin's going to do with this. I one. know. He obviously has – or maybe he thinks it's a great question and doesn't know what to do with it. I don't know. All right. <laughs> there you go. There you go, boys. All right. Well done. Some good stuff. Hopefully Tim has a better week, right? No. <laughs> oh, say, we're, say we're really hoping for that. Oh, you guys are cruel. Tonight, we take a look around the Big Ten Conference. Brought to you by Sinclair Oil Gasoline and Oil Products. Fill up your life and your vehicle with Dino Care. Sinclair's top-tier gasoline. Fields, looks, throws, middle of the field, toward the end zone, touchdown, Olave! 27 yards. 20, 10, touchdown! Touchdown, Illinois! He dodges a guy at the one and jumps into the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown! Touchdown, Iowa! Stanley to Amir Smith. Tonight. Clifford back, blitz coming. Steps up, throws. He's got Dotson 45 50. Dotson swings at far side 40. He's going to get a block downfield for George 25 20. 15 10 5. Touchdown, Penn State. 72 yards to Jahan Dotson. And what a job by the offensive line. The Penn State Nittany Lions. And here to tell us all about Penn State, Corey Geiger from Nittany Sports Now joining us. And Corey, man, this. Watching some college football these last couple weeks, I gotta believe Penn State feels like they've got a type of team that can make themselves put themselves in that college football playoffs. What have your early impressions of the season been so far? Yeah, Greg, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, these teams in the Big Ten that are not playing yet really kind of, I think, benefit by watching these other teams make the same kinds of mistakes early on. You know, early season mistakes. I think it's been a real choppy and sloppy start to the college football season when when you've got to play conference games right away and good opponents right away you know James Franklin was asked about that about two hours ago Greg about you know Penn State starts on the road at Indiana and then they have Ohio State in, in week two well you don't have your typical cupcake game in week one like Penn State you know traditionally has so it's a it's a very different feel you you'd better be ready to play right away or else you can get exposed pretty early that's what I've seen. I've seen some teams that it's pretty apparent they weren't ready to go and they've looked bad early on, and, and maybe you can get it turned around, but you don't have as much time this year. Let's start with this offense. Looks to me, Corey, like this could be a really explosive group. Love what Sean Clifford did last year. What's your take on that side of the ball? It can be if they can find some receivers, one or two receivers that really step up. They have to replace K.J. Hamler, who's now with the Denver Broncos. And after him, Greg, I mean, K.J. had uh, terrific production last year, but after him was a major drop-off from the wide receiver standpoint. So they're going to need uh, Jahan Dotson, you know, some other guys, Cam Sullivan. They're going to need some guys to step up that have not necessarily had tremendous performances in their career. I think Jahan Dotson will be the primary guy. Uh, but the running back situation is really good. Journey Brown 
had a tremendous start, uh, finish to the season last year, a Penn State record for a bowl game, 202 yards rushing in the Cotton Bowl. They've got a lot of depth there with Noah Kane, Devin Ford. The offensive line, which is, quite frankly, the biggest question mark for Penn State every single year, uh, is not this year. They, they should be pretty good up front. Maybe not necessarily great, but they should be good. They've got experience and depth. So if, there were, if Sean Clifford can find receivers, uh, wideouts, I mean, That'll be a big thing because he's still got Pat Fryermuth, who might be the best tight end in the entire country, as always, that you know, uh, insurance option. So if the, if the wide receivers live up to their billing and you get a new offensive coordinator, that is key. Kirk Shiraka comes over from Minnesota where they ran a very, very efficient offense. And if he brings these very detail-oriented, Sean Clifford said he'll get on guys' rear ends you know, if they're making mistakes. So there, there's a lot there's a, a lot of hope uh, and potential for that offense. We're visiting with Corey Geiger uh, with uh, Nittany Sports Now, talking about Penn State as we go around the Big Ten. Let's go to defense. Micah Parsons is going to opt out. Can't blame him at all with the way this thing has fallen out. What about that side of the ball, and how big will his loss be for the Lions on defense? Well, Micah Parsons is sensational. He's, he's a top-five NFL pick. Uh, so he's going to be – they don't have another Micah Parsons. They've got some good linebackers, Jesse Lucetta, Brandon Smith. They've got some guys, and they've got you know, good players up front. Jason Owe is a projected first-round draft pick at defensive end. They'll be good in the front seven. Micah Parsons maybe would have made them great in the front seven. Uh, but for forever, I mean, for everybody's lifetime, Penn State has always been good defensively. And they have a tremendous defensive coordinator in Brent Pry. Um, they don't have another Micah Parsons, but they'll be good. Secondary has has replaced uh, a John Reed, a guy that was there forever um, at uh, at corner. So we'll see how that goes. But you know, I, I think the defense should be good enough to hold teams to you know twenty twenty four points. If that offense can score more than twenty four points, you know, per game, Penn State's got a, a chance to really, really. Uh, contend for that college football playoff. You alluded to it earlier that with this third rendition of a Big Ten football schedule that we have, the Buckeyes game is week two. I mean, that that's going to be the game that decides the East. It could decide who gets to the college football playoff. Man, that, that puts an awful lot of pressure to be ready to roll by Halloween weekend, isn't, doesn't it? Well, it's unfortunate for Penn State for this reason. When, when Penn State, ha- anybody in the in the Big Ten really, but when Penn State has a chance for a great year, you look and see where that Ohio State game is, Greg. If it's in Columbus, you got to figure, hey, uh, you're probably not going there and winning. If it's at State College, then yeah, uh, Penn State's got has always had, has a great shot to beat Ohio State uh, at home. But this year they've got them at home and no fans, no whiteout, no incredible yeah. atmosphere like we've seen here in 2005. Uh, no incredible atmosphere like 2016, one of the great wins in Penn State history with the blocks, field goal, return for a touchdown. They're not going to have that. So it's, a, it's kind of unfortunate for Penn State that this is a year that they could potentially get to the playoff. And if they had all of their fans at Beaver Stadium, you know, in your traditional wideout craziness, uh, that certainly would help. I, hey, quite frankly, I have no idea how these football games are going to play out with no fans, sterile environment, players have to motivate themselves. Uh, but, again, uh, it, it, is in, it is that Beaver Stadium in week two, uh, but Penn State does kind of get the unfortunate you know, luck of the draw. It, it's a year where there's no, not going to be any fans. What early reports are you getting out of their camp now that everybody's back into pads? 
You know what? It's quiet so far. They had a, a four-star freshman wide receiver leave the team uh, today for personal reasons. But, you know, no injuries as of note. Uh, um, they're, I'm sure they're working through to try to find their rhythm on offense because, again, you bring in a new offensive coordinator in Kirk Sharaka from Minnesota. You don't have the spring to work with him. You don't have the summer to work with him. They're doing installs on Zoom calls, and, and that can be difficult. So they're working – you know, to get ready for the season. But I want to quote you something that offensive lineman Mike Miranda said the other day. He was asked a good question of, hey, are you guys going to have time to get all this in play and hit the ground running? And he said, it doesn't matter if we have time or not. we got to be ready to play. Yeah. And that's really, that's really the mindset that these football teams have. There's no excuses. No, you know, hey, we didn't have time. None of, none of this stuff. When it's time to play, you better damn well be ready to be playing. Well put. Corey, great stuff as always. We'll look forward to checking in with you a few times during the fall. Awesome, Greg. Having a good night, bud.